every sin, a capital crime before God, paid for by Jesus in his blood. Propitiation, his blood spilt in the place of your blood being spilt, fulfilling the sentence of death that was upon you. Because justice demands the execution of the penalty. Through faith, there's the means. Here it comes, a brand new day, but I don't know what will come my way. Rise or fall, your love will see me through it all. Up and soon, a and challenge like your word directs me to what's right and spurs me on right through the fight with the promise of new life. Good evening, everyone. My name is John, and I'd like to welcome you to A Word with God, and I encourage you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 3 while we continue to go through this message, and it's an overall series that we have that's going on right now. Stan, what's the name of the series? The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Here we go. And the sub the subtitle for this one is, I'm Not Ashamed of the Gospel. So we're continuing to go through this message, and really what's happening is we've been going through this now for a fair number of weeks right now. Um, and what's what's really happening in Romans is Paul's making a very significant, very strong, uh, very deep and wide and everything else, really mm-hmm. really descriptive case for the gospel of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and pe- making sure people understand no one's ahead of another person. We're all equal. It's really who God is and who we are in it. Yeah, it, it is really kind of the handbook of what is it to be a Christian. Why should I be a Christian? How do I become a Christian? What's the Christian life like after I begin following Jesus? Like, he nails this thing down. Uh, probably the most extensive, comprehensive book that we have in Scripture. Now, this this particular message we're going through right now, I mean, Paul starts talking in here. He says, you know, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, mm-hmm. right? So we're all the same. We're all sinners. That's where we started. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's mm-hmm. funny. I almost think of it as um, that we're all we're all sin addicts, yeah. right? You know, yeah. we all go. We all we're all going yeah. to church on Sunday because yeah. we're going to sinner yeah. sin sin addict anonymous pretty much. Okay. And there's a and there's a power greater than ourselves mm-hmm. that's going to help us. <laughs> almost, but it almost kind of goes down that road, and we're all keeping each okay. other accountable yeah. to you know. Really trying to, you know, work through this properly. I think we used one of the examples uh, when we were in that section was that it's like we all have the same virus. We we yeah. all start out with all the same condition. So now, and you know, what I wanted to kind of go through a little bit here is, you know, the idea and what, what, some of the things you mentioned here that really God's grace, the kindness, the mercy that He shows, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is available to any who believe. Yeah. And this is really a part of the message you're talking about right here is that part. Yeah. And there's some people who are going to find that hard to believe because they have a picture of God as being demanding and angry. And, um, and, and if you have that picture of who God is to hear of the kindness and mercy and yet tempered with justice, um, it's really hard to get your brain around 
um, that picture of God, if you have a really negative, authoritarian, fist-pounding, uh, especially if you grew up in a home where you had a very authoritarian father, non-loving, cold, distant. When Christians start talking about the love of Jesus Christ, the love of God, our, our Heavenly Father, that just, it, it, it just, something inside of us when we've been raised that way just it gets irked. We just don't know what to do with it. And so you find that Christians either float one of two ways. Either God is all love mm-hmm. and they neglect the justice piece. Or God is, is this hyper-justice, angry, demanding God. And, and both do not paint the balanced picture of a loving Heavenly Father. Well, and, and you know, going to that as well, I think there are a lot of people who either, you know, became Christians and then they've fallen away, and they almost have this idea of saying, "I'm not good enough to go yeah. back." Right? I have to get. Yeah. I, ha- I have to get myself better yeah. before I come back. And if you were raised in a home where love was only given if you performed, mm-hmm. love was only given if you were a good boy, good girl. And so all of a sudden, it's like this carrot is being dangled. And if you can play the tune, if you can dance the dance, then then you will be accepted, maybe. And and that is so not like God. And so Paul's been fleshing this out and, and painting a picture, an accurate picture of this holy, just, yet merciful God. Hmm. Well, it's interesting when you say, you know, good boy and a good girl too, or bad boy, bad girl. You know, people have this idea of saying, you know, that person did wrong. They're, they're a wrong person. That person did bad. They're a bad person. Oh, they're doing good. They're a good person. Mm-hmm. But really, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of, it sounds slightly negative when it starts with it because, you know, he's saying all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay. So we're all, we're all sort of bad in a way, right? We're all sinners, but then saying how we can get justified through this. Well, it's interesting because Jesus spoke about the inside and the outside of a cup. And he says, you guys, as far as the Pharisees, which are the kind of the religious professionals, were whacked about the outside of the cup. Mm Mm-hmm. And and so, how many times did I wash, and and did I handle this cup in the right way, and, and what's in the cup, and and what's the cup veneer, and and Jesus is like, you guys are cranked about this, and just going like really nutso over the outside, but God's concerned about the inside of the cup, and that's where Paul has been teaching about. I mean, we all have the same internal um, deal going on with sin, but God's there to clean the cup. Well, and, and talking about this, you know, I, I, I would be guessing that there's people listening now who are thinking to themselves, I listen to sermons on the radio, I watch, uh, you know, a message on TV, mm-hmm. uh, although I don't really feel like I'm the kind of person who should be going to church. I, you know, I'm not wearing a shirt and a tie, I'm not wearing, you know, dress clothes, my hair's mm-hmm. kind of long, my, whatever, all, all these different things. Sounds like people in our church. Yeah, but that's actually what I was going to say, right? You know, but there are people who are saying to themselves, I don't feel good enough to go mm-hmm. to church. I don't feel good enough to be with other Christians. If they knew who I was, they wouldn't accept me. Mm-hmm. So talking to those type of people. And God you know, intimately knows who you are. And he's, he has stated clearly, irrevocably, that in, in the cross of Jesus Christ, in what Jesus has done for you, you are accepted. And the body, now we're not perfect, 
no church is, and we have bumps and bruises, but the true body of Jesus, the church operating as God designed her to operate, we find acceptance and love and encouragement and uh, the embrace of fellow, I love how Steve Brown says, we're all beggars, telling other beggars where we found bread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Well, uh, let's get going through the message right now. And again, we're going through Romans chapter 3. Sold into slavery and sin upon birth because of who you are, because of being related to Adam, and God redeeming you with the blood of his precious son, loving you, buying you back through the redemption, which is in Jesus Christ. There's the location and the point that justification is provided by Jesus through redemption. So we have this belief that's been acted upon and it results in grace have you experienced God's grace in your life have you become a walking billboard for God's glory and that he's redeemed you and purchased you well faith in Jesus substitution is the foundation for all that we have that's the next section Verse 25, whom, that's Jesus, God displayed publicly. This did not happen in private, didn't happen behind closed doors, didn't happen away from public eye. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation. Okay, $10 word. It it means to appease or uh, expediate. Propitiation carries the idea of a sacrifice that takes the place of the one who should have died. It satisfies the prescribed sentence. It's a little more of a definition there. Whom God publicly displayed publicly as a propiti- as a as a as a way of appeasing his justice. In his blood, that's how it happens. Every sin, a capital crime before God. Paid for by Jesus in his blood. Propitiation, his blood spilt in the place of your blood being spilt. Fulfilling the sentence of death that was upon you. Because justice demands the execution of the penalty. Through faith, there's the means. God did this publicly. Jesus was our propitiation. He stood in our place. It happened by the shedding of his blood. His blood for your blood. His death for your death. Through faith, that's how you access it. That's the means to accessing this forgiveness, this justice. The point here is it's through faith that we believe that the act of God was sufficient and that the death of Jesus satisfied God's justice. He is our propitiation. The point is is that belief acted upon by faith results in grace in your life. And God's grace, God's forgiveness 
getting what you do not deserve comes through Jesus. Well, we see that belief acted upon by faith brings grace. Number two, that faith in Jesus' uh, substitution is our foundation that we walk on. And thirdly, we see that uh, demonstrates God's righteousness in Jesus being our propitiation, verses 25 to 26. This was him being our propitiation. This was to demonstrate, to point out, to prove. This was to demonstrate his righteousness. He does it three things here. It's righteousness in the past. He's demonstrating God's righteousness in the past. Because in the forbearance, toleration, God tolerates sin. Because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. He takes a picture from the Old Testament, this idea of Passover. Remember what happened? They were leaving Egypt. Pharaoh and Moses had this kind of head-to-head thing going on with the plagues. And the final plague was the death of the firstborn in all the land. It seemed to be the only way God could get Pharaoh's attention. But God's people could escape that by slaying a lamb and putting the blood on the doorpost that that lamb took the place of the death of the firstborn in that home. And Paul picks that language up. You think that would be very powerful in the Jewish believer who is listening to this? As he goes back into that Old Testament, that Exodus language, and pulls that forward? Because in the forbearance of God... That God does not act right now on sin. If God acted right now on sin, each and every one of us would be toast. None of us would survive that inspection without Jesus in our lives and in our hearts. Because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. That's in the past. In the present, verse 26, for the demonstration to to manifest, to make it known that people would see, Paul says, I say, of his righteousness. This displays God's righteousness in the present, his integrity, his virtue, his rightness, his correctness of thinking, his feelings and his actions. All that is about God is righteous at this present time. You and I live in an amazing place when we bring Jesus, when we believe and act in faith and we are justified and receive God's grace and we become pictures of His righteousness, we receive, we become demonstrations of His righteousness at this present time. Thirdly, here's a result, so that, there's the purpose. Whenever you see a so that in Scripture is giving us the purpose of what just went beforehand. So that He would be just. God was just. If God did not demand a payment for sin, then God would be unjust. Because He is just, sin must be dealt with. Sin has to be paid attention to that he would be just, and so Paul plays on words here, that he would be just and the justifier. God, by his very nature and character, must be just. 
but he took upon his shoulders to be the one who justifies you and me. He not only is the just one, he is the one who made a way for justice to be accomplished. So that he would be just and the justifier of the one, of the person who has faith. It doesn't say belief. James says that demons believe and tremble. Belief is not enough. It's the step of faith. Is that God will do what he says he will do. He will go where he says he will go. He will come into my life the way he says he will come into my life. He will begin to change me the way he has promised to change me. That is the step of faith. To walk towards him. Justification. God not only sets the moral code. He is the one who enables you to meet it. He is just and through him you will be just as well. Remember what just meant? Right with God. At peace with God. Able to stand before Him. Well, we saw that belief acted upon through faith results in grace. We saw that faith in Jesus' substitution was the foundation of everything that we believe in. And thirdly, we saw that Jesus being our propitiation demonstrated that God was righteous. That was the third demonstration, remember? The law, the writings of Moses, the prophets, and your salvation all demonstrate God's righteousness in the world. Fourthly, what did I have to do? What did I have to do? Verses 27 to 31. Where then is boasting? You all know what it is to boast. Ever boasted in your life? Yeah, here's what I did. Look at me. Did you see what I did? I, I've, got, I've got this amazing, and I, I, I keep lifting it a little bit to smell it. I have this amazing crock of sauerkraut in my basement. I don't like sauerkraut. I build it for my wife because she likes sauerkraut. It smells really funky, okay? You know what I mean? But there's a crock of sauerkraut down. I could boast that I made, but it's just, it's just rotting cabbage all by itself. I didn't do anything. We put a little salt in it. We chopped. Really, it's nothing I did. Very simple to get something very profound. You may have taken a step towards God, but there's nothing you did. In fact, John tells us you didn't even take the step towards God, but that he drew you. If he wasn't drawing you, you would have never taken a step. Where then is boasting? It's excluded. And he goes like, okay, like, like by the law? Did, did law? did the law do this for you? No. Works? What I did? No. It's, it's, it's nothing by what I did. No. But by a law of faith. And he introduces a new law here called the law of faith. This is how the law of faith works. When you step out in faith, God does everything. Hi, I'm Stan, your teacher at A Word with God. I hope you've been enjoying our series in the book of Romans. And if it's kind of piqued your interest about becoming a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just interested in checking out church another time, uh, we would invite you to join us. 
at Evangel Community Church in Kitchener, Ontario. John, why don't you tell folks how to find us? Yeah, we're at uh, 112 Spadina Road West here in Kitchener, and we have two services on Sunday, one at 9 and one at 11.15. Love to see you come out for that. Verse 28, 4, because we maintain, we, we reckon to be true, that a man, you could put in there a woman, is justified, is declared righteous, is, is right before God, by means of faith, apart from works of the law. Didn't come, didn't come from the law. Didn't come from being good. And that's when he talks about the law here. When Paul talks about the law, he's, he's talking about trying to be good in our own strength. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Nobody can do it. Jesus alone lived a perfect life. God's son, born of a virgin, not contaminated with Adam's sin. He alone was good. Remember he said that once? Said, Why do you call me good? There's only one good, that's God. And I am. I am. Well, or is God the, only the God of the Jews? Is, is, is that the only thing? Only those who receive the law? The, the implied answer is no. Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes. There's an affirmative there. Of Gentiles also. Verse 30. Since indeed God, who will justify, who will render right, who will make a person right, since God, who will justify the circumcised, that's the Jewish believer by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one one god one god does the same work in people whether you had the law whether you were jewish in background whether you had access to moses and to all the prophets even if you had none of that one god one way to justify no leg up you're not ahead you're all on common ground Verse 31, or sorry, two points to make. Justification has only one source, that's God. And no matter who you are, Jew or Gentile, number two, faith is the only avenue to being justified. Without faith, it doesn't happen. Verse 31, do we then nullify, means to render idle or inoperative. Do we then nullify the law through faith? Do when I exercise faith, does the law stop, cease from existing? Does the law now suspend the requirements of the law? Does faith now suspend the requirements of the law? No. The law will express the character of God. May it never be. Strongest no that you can have in the Greek language. No. Absolutely not. You could go no, 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 no. May it never be. On the contrary. We establish, we uphold, we sustain the authority of the law. This only proves the power of the law. If the law was idle, then God would not have gone to such lengths to satisfy the law. It was powerful, for it reflects God's character. And it still does. So here's five things to take home. God's grace, God's kindness, is available to anyone who believes in His name and takes a step of faith towards him. It is as simple as reaching out for his forgiveness. That's a step. To reach out for his forgiveness. 
He's able to do what he says he will do. Number two, being justified, being made acceptable, is the free gift of God. He did it all. You could do nothing. Jesus is the only acceptable way to forgiveness and justification with the Father. Number three, Jesus went to the cross openly, publicly, so that all people for all time would know of the righteousness and the greatness of God the Father. It is the third sign of how he is righteous. Fourthly, God has tolerated your sin, giving you time to believe, to repent, and act in faith. He has postponed judgment for a season, but judgment will come. Assuredly, as summer follows spring and fall follows summer and winter follows fall, the season of God's postponing of putting off judgment will come to an end. And fifthly, being justified by God does not mean that I can now ignore the intent or the implication of the law. It describes the character of my father, and as his child, I am commanded to be like my father. Because there's a whole group out there who say that the law is like totally like I don't even have to be. I don't even have to consider the law anymore. What Paul is saying here: the law has no teeth. The law has no power. You now have been justified before God by the work that Jesus has done. And Paul says. Now, I'm not saying the law is not good. What was it there for? It was to teach us, and it was to show us that we were condemned. Righteousness of God is displayed through your salvation. That's a powerful statement. So, Stan, thanks a lot for that message. And again, we're going to continue this message next week, the series that we're going through again called uh, The Gospel of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Okay. I encourage you to uh, to join us next week while we continue going through this message. And, and if you do have someone who you know of who is thinking themselves, you know, maybe I'm not good enough to go to church. I'll tell you, we love to see them coming to our church and, uh, and seeing what we can do to help out. We're all, as you said, Stan, you know, we're all beggars talking to other beggars and telling them where the food is. So uh, love to see you up for that. And remember, don't end your day without a word with God. Here it comes, brand new day. But I don't know what will come my way. Rise or fall, your love will see me through it all. I'll pursue and challenge like your word directs me to what's right and spurs me on right through. The fight with the promise of you.